Baker Black, your guide through these unsettling encounters. This is Unwelcome Shadows, where we explore viewer-submitted tales that are unsettling and spine-tingling. Share your stories with us at unwelcomeshadows at gmail.com to get featured on the show. A Midnight Visitor in a Cabin in the Woods by Princess Vanna This is a true story. Every time I tell it, it pulls the eyes of everyone in the room. I'm not sure why I haven't posted it before, but upon reflecting with a friend, I decided it was time to share. The summer of 2020, my friends Alex and Violent and I decided to go on a mountain vacation. COVID cabin fever had hit us hard and we were desperate to get out. We settled on a mountainous state and planned to camp and hike at several different locations. For one night, we thought it would be fun to book a cabin in the woods. Violent's parents had rented a fire tower once and loved it, but a cabin beside a fire tower was all we could find. It was cheap, clean, and secluded. Excited to have a night where we could be as noxious as we wanted, we booked it. In the weeks leading up to the trip, we decided it would be a great idea to drop acid at the cabin. Violent brought an entire sheep in preparation for our arrival, and it was tucked in her bag as we pulled out of the driveway to make our way to the cabin. I remember this knot in the pit of my stomach, this aching feeling that gnawed at me. I told Alex and Violet that there was no way we could drop acid that night. Violet was pissed. We turned around and got into a massive argument, but I stood my ground. I just knew that we had no business tripping that night. Finally, the fireworks settled and we were off. The cabin was roughly 30 minutes away from the nearest town. It sat atop a mountain. We held our breath as we rounded the busted road that spiraled toward the top. There were no pull-offs, no other campsites, just a long winding road that led us to the cabin at the peak. We settled in and started a fire to keep warm. As dusk gave way to night, we heard the unmistakable noise of an engine on the road, then the flash of headlights. A side-by-side with three kids arrived, and our nerves settled. They smiled, gave us a wave, climbed the fire tower, and left. We heard there may be occasional visitors to the fire tower, but they were the only ones who had come by. We doused the fire and moved inside, heated some hot dogs until they were lukewarm, ate them fast, and sat down in silence. You don't know how quiet it is until you're in the middle of nowhere. You can hear every rustle of the leaves, the whisper of the wind through their branches. You get so used to white noise living in the city, there's always the hum of an air conditioner or the dim roar of traffic to focus on. Here, the closest thing to white noise was the sound of our own breathing. We jumped at every noise, too frightened to speak to one another, and finally, I'd had enough. I cracked a few wine coolers, passed them to Alex and Violet, and then slapped a board game down on the table between our bunk beds. It didn't take long for us to loosen, and we were laughing and having the best time. Much sober than we thought, but enough that we were able to ignore the humble of the woods. Later, we all recall hearing noises in the background, the snap of a twig, the dim rumble of an engine. None of us wanted to rupture the air of nonchalance between us, so we ignored it, until a human hand reached up onto the window between us and slapped it three times. We were screaming in an instant. Alex called 911, put them on speakerphone, and handed his cell phone to me. He grabbed pokers from the fireplace and passed them out. Violent started calling family members, saying her last goodbyes. I held my breath and I listened for any more noise. Whoever this was... Whatever this was, would have heard us call 911, and now they were being careful to make a silent retreat. Dispatch arrived 20 minutes later. 
a lucky thing for a 1am emergency call and had their dogs comb the mountain. Nothing. They suggested it might have been a bear, but I could tell from their faces that they didn't believe that for a second. We had barely cooked the hot dogs, and why would a bear smack the window by a couple of screaming kids rather than the one closest to the pan? Why would a bear knock on a window like a human? Why, when we screamed, did the bear make a stealthy retreat? They had no answers, but they had one antidote. As they sped to us, they had come across a car at the base of the mountain, but that was the only sign of life that they had seen. I remember my blood ran cold, but Violet and Alex were too frazzled to absorb the weight of what they had said, and dizzied by a new horror, Violet's car, thoroughly dusted by our drive up the mountain, was covered in handprints. Handprints that didn't match ours, that touched places that we hadn't. We grabbed our shit by the armful, threw it inside, eager to remove every part of ourselves from this mountain. We followed the police, grateful every pothole found us further and further away from that wretched cabin. We made it down in record time and found lodging at a speedy hotel that reeked of cat piss. I couldn't sleep. The thought of that car on the road rang in my head. Remember, there was nothing else on the mountain. It was a narrow road to the top, no pull-offs, no other campsites. There was the fire tower. Maybe a visitor decided to spook us during their late-night excursion, but the kids from earlier, we had seen their headlights. Whoever did this had stopped their vehicle further down the road and hiked the rest of the way. They didn't want to be spotted. They wanted silence, secrecy. Whoever this was hadn't been looking for a cheap scare. They had planned this. I don't think I'll ever know what the person on the mountain wanted from me. I don't know if it was a practical joke or the beginning of a night terror. I'm grateful for Alex's quick wit in calling 911. I wonder if our visitor knew we had service. It had certainly been a welcome surprise to us. Perhaps that was a wrench in his plan. Enough to spook him before he could even make things ugly. In truth, I don't know if I want to know. Cabin Intruder by Dead Hooker in Trunk Growing up, summers in my family were the best because for one month, my sister and I were sent up to Minnesota to Graham and Papa's cabin. My dad, their son, is the oldest of three boys and my uncle's kids, Ryan, Alexander, and Tyler, joined us up there. From 7 to 17, my fondest memories were spent at that cabin. Then my grandmother got sick and died. Papa didn't go up to the cabin very much, and us kids were all teenagers. My sister and Ryan were away at college, and the rest of us were in high school. The years went by, and then Papa died. The cabin was left to all three boys, and my dad and uncles decided to sell the cabin and split the proceeds. However, my dad asked if any of us grandkids wanted one last trip to the cabin. My sister, her wife, myself, Tyler, and his girlfriend were the only ones able to make the trip there. When we opened the door to the cabin, we remarked it didn't smell stale like places do when they've been abandoned for five years. My sister told us there was a caretaker and she must have aired out the place. As we cooked dinner that night, we noticed their small bag of food in the fridge. Again, we wrote it off as the caretakers and went about our night. That night, I was in bed, and I heard what sounded like someone moving around the kitchen. 
I figured it was one of the others getting water or something to eat. The next morning, my sister asked us which one of us was making a ruckus. I chime in and tell her I was woken up too. However, Tyler and his girlfriend insist it wasn't them. They were in the loft. We were in the lower bedrooms. So we freak out for a second trying to figure out who was in the house. We check the doors and windows, but nothing was broken. That afternoon, everyone wants to go to the lake, minus my sister. She had a migraine. That afternoon, everyone wants to go to the lake, minus my sister. She had a migraine. So we are at the lake swimming and hanging out when we hear screaming and see my sister running toward us. Breathless, she's hyperventilating, but we are able to make out someone's in the house. Tyler and I run towards the house. Both of us are in the military, and it's second nature. The door was wide open, and we aren't sure if the intruder was still in the house. We grabbed a fire poker and looked around, but he was long gone. We called the police, they came over, and we put together that he was most likely homeless and had been squatting in the cabin, as it's been mostly empty the last few years. We found a rolled-up sleeping bag, cans of tuna, and a lantern in the basement. My sister said she had heard noises in the kitchen and figured it was one of us. She came in the kitchen and saw this guy with long scraggly hair and a beard. Supposedly, he wasn't expecting her and he had gotten a shock. That's when my sister took off. The cabin ended up selling a few months later and from what my uncle tells me, they never had issues with that guy again. Creeper entered my cabin uninvited at an odd hour by Golden Converse. Hey Reddit, this post will be pretty lengthy, so sorry if something is confusing. I turned 17 around a week ago, meaning this story happened around 5 years ago on my 12th birthday. My birthday that year was on a Wednesday, but since I have a summer birthday, I don't have I don't have to worry about going to school or anything like that. A few days before my birthday, the Saturday before I think, my grandparents and one of my aunts and three of my cousins went to a campground about 45 minutes to an hour away from the area all of us live in. My grandparents invited my twin and I to stay in their cabin with them while my aunt and cousin's cabin was only a short walking distance away. We agreed. It's important to note that my aunt is a single mother and one source of income. She works at a school not far from where we live, and since she works summers, she offered to drive my twin and I home on our birthday so we could spend our day with our parents. Since my aunt had to be at work pretty early, my twin and I had to wake up around 6am. The layout of my grandparents' cabin is crucial to this story. It was a one-room cabin, and when you walk in, my grandparents' beds were in the top left corner, while my bed and my twin's bed were in the top right corner. Before going to sleep, my grandmother lit a candle and left the door unlocked so my aunt could walk without waking my grandparents. In the early hours of my birthday, I woke up suddenly for no reason. Judging by the light through the windows, I thought it was about 5am, if not earlier. I turned to look at my twin, whose bed was about 1-2 to two feet to the right of my bed. There was a man sitting on his bed staring me dead in my eyes. I was still really groggy because I was in a deep sleep before I woke up. At first I thought it was my twin and he had to go outside to pee or something. Even groggy, I thought it was weird my twin would be in his boxers when sleeping in the same room as family. Then I noticed my twin still sleeping. 
Who was this man sitting on my twin's bed? My heart rate began picking up as I noticed my grandparents still sleeping across the room, so this man wasn't my grandfather. I froze for what felt like forever until the man got up and left. Didn't say a word. I guess what scares me the most was how, in the candlelight, the man's eyes were completely black. On the way home, I mentioned something to my twin about the man, and he said someone was inside the cabin, and my grandparents backed me up too. My grandmother thought the man was drunk and went into the wrong cabin by accident. There was a man camping alone in a cabin or two away from us, who she thought it could have been. However, this doesn't make sense to me. The cabins weren't close together, they were at least 50 feet apart, not to mention my grandparents' vehicles, chairs, dog toys, etc. should have been a dead giveaway that this man was at the wrong place. If he went outside to pee, which I assume was why he wasn't wearing pants and only boxers, why would he completely walk away from his own cabin? If he wanted to go to the public bathrooms, they were in the complete opposite direction. Why wouldn't he have noticed he was sitting on someone? Yes, the man was sitting on my brother. I have been drunk once, so I may be mistaken, but that doesn't sit right with me at all. This camping trip had another weird instance, but that was more funny than scary. My grandfather had a trailer for firewood and whatnot he had brought. Since the driveway for our cabin was small and his SUV and my grandmother's car were taking up most of the space, he put his trailer in my aunt's driveway. My twin, myself, and I think all of my cousins were in the driveway talking. Across the road was another cabin and a little girl, maybe five or six, who was walking around stark naked and started doing weird dances underneath one of those outdoor faucet things while the water was running. It was funny as fuck, but it got kind of weird when the little girl walked across the street, past my twin, my cousins, and I, and got in my grandfather's trailer and putting rocks in the trailer. The kid's parents didn't even notice she had walked away. My oldest cousin is a quick thinker, thankfully, and ran for our grandmother as the rest of us stood there in shock and didn't know what to say. My grandmother told the kid's mom, who grabbed the girl and didn't apologize. This instance still comes up sometimes, and it always makes me laugh. Why I Don't Like Cabins by Wizard's Pupil I was 11 when this happened. Ariel, my older sister, was 14, and Belle, my younger sister, was 8. My dad was a freelance programmer when I was younger. He made great money on his jobs, but because he was so heavily in debt, $500,000 plus, and my mom was not the most gifted person on balancing a budget, we never had much free money available. This meant that we went on vacation once every few years, and usually that was to a relative's house. My dad had just finished a long project for a big client, and we were celebrating the occasion with a new movie, Final Destination because my dad loved watching scary stuff and scaring the daylights out of me and my sisters. We were in the middle of the movie when the phone rang. He went to get it and came back to grab mom while we kept watching the movie. Belle took the opportunity to pause the film and take Duchess, our dog, captive because she was scared. They came back in about 10 minutes later and announced that we were going to be spending the next weekend in a cabin. 
We didn't know what to make of it, but apparently the client he had been helping owned a nice cabin by a lake in the mountains and offered to let us lodge there this weekend for a considerably reduced price. It was Thursday, so my mom went into a panicked frenzy of packing, so we didn't see the rest of the movie that night. After school the next day, we packed up the family van and headed to the mountains. It was a two and a half hour drive, so it was late by the time we got there. We unloaded the van and went exploring in the cabin. It was a ranch style cabin with a little nook thing you could climb up to that was about the head height. It was about three feet tall and probably meant for storage, but it was an excellent place for the three of us to hang and play games. There were a few dozen board games up there, so we started playing once we decided on the rooms. Mom and Dad got the largest, Ariel claimed the smaller one with the twin bed, so Belle and I got the last room which had a queen-size bed we could share. We had a window on the right of the bed without a curtain and a lamp on the left side of the bed. It was the only light source in the room and there was a closet opposite the bed. It was locked and we couldn't get in. I never did figure out what was inside there. We went to bed around 11. Belle is a kicker, so I slept by the lamp in case she ended up knocking it over. I remember lying down and I must have instantly fallen asleep because the next thing I know, Belle was gripping my arm and trying to burrow under me. She was squeaking something in fright and I couldn't understand what was happening. I sat up, looked towards her, and saw something pale in human shape moving away from the window. My sleepy brain took several moments to process that, and then I was shooting out of bed, dragging Belle with me. We rushed to our parents, who told us we were imagining things. Mom told us to go back to bed, and if we saw anything else, to let them know. I, much to my current annoyance, agreed with them and went back in the room with Belle. We switched positions because she refused to go back to the bed by the window. I told her a story to get her asleep and promptly conked out after her. I didn't wake up until morning. The next day, we went exploring around the lake for about an hour before Dad decided we'd spend the day in town. They had a lot of small shops and my parents went into every one of them. We ate lunch and dinner in the town and finally went back to the cabin. Ariel made a joke about something as we neared the cabin and I remember everybody laughing before my dad suddenly held up his hand to make everyone stop. He took another step towards the cabin and pushed the door open with a single finger. I thought it was strange that the door wasn't latched, but didn't put the obvious together right away. Dad? Ariel shuffled nearer to Belle and me, but Dad gave his head a shake to let her know she needed to be quiet. He went into the cabin and disappeared inside for a minute or two while we stood on the porch. Mom called out his name and he called back that we could come inside. We did and we found him standing in the middle of the living room with a frown. He locked the door once we were inside and took Mom to the bedroom for a quick chat. Ariel, having caught on to what was happening, opted to distract Belle and me by suggesting another round of the board game that we had been playing the night before. We hadn't been playing for more than five minutes when mom and dad came back. Mom went about cleaning the dishes from breakfast while dad joined our game. We played for a few hours before dad told us we needed to go to bed. 
It was only 9 at that point, which made Ariel mad. She was allowed to stay up to 10.30 on school nights and later on weekends. Belle and I went on to bed while they argued. We climbed back in the same spots we slept in, Belle by the window and me by the lamp. I read to Belle for a bit before we drifted off. I woke up to Dad rushing into our room. He scooped Belle out of the bed and grabbed me by my hand. He dragged me out of the room and into the hall where I saw Ariel getting similar treatment by Mom. I became aware of a high-pitched whine in the living room and saw our dog sitting at attention by the back door. She was bristled and seemed anxious. Dad didn't put Belle down and didn't let go of my hand. They rushed out of the house and into the van. Dad went back in to get the dog and then he burned rubber getting out of the cabin. He drove all the way back home without talking once. It took half an hour for Duchess to calm down. He told Ariel what happened the next day, but Belle and I didn't find out till years later. He'd woken up that night to what sounded like moaning outside the window in his room. He jumped up and looked to see what was going on and had found the front door unlocked. Stuff in the kitchen had been moved and Duchess started to growl at the back door, which was ajar. He locked it and got us out of the house. He went back the next day to get our luggage and found several pairs of footprints outside the window of mine and Belle's room. Cabin Man by Kroger's This is a throwaway account I made after discovering the subreddit and I wanted to share my story, so here it goes. It was about late November in Colorado, and I was about seven or eight, and my father got the idea of taking us all for a weekend to a cabin that he was going to rent. My mother thought it was a great idea for me, my sister, my father, and my mother to bond. So that's exactly what happened. We rented a cabin for a few days. We took off school on Friday to get a head start on getting there, which I had no issue with. We got there, and it was sure cold. Well... It was almost December, so I guess it made sense that it was so cold. Anyway, we got all set up and decided where we'd all sleep. We ate dinner, and then we all got set up for bed, and we were thinking about what we'd do tomorrow. We got there kind of late, so we didn't do much on the first day. That night, though, I heard noises outside. It sounded kind of like footsteps. I looked out the window and saw nothing, so I figured it must have been an animal. I tried to go back to sleep. Then about 15 minutes later, I heard it again. I woke my sister up, which she was about 11 at the time, and she heard it as well. We both walked over to the window and saw something out there. We weren't quite sure what it was. We decided it'd be best for it not to see us, so we went back to sleep. I had a hard time sleeping that night, and so did my sister. But we eventually woke up. My mother was inside making breakfast, and my father was outside. I asked my mom if I could go outside with my dad. She told me sure. While my sister stayed inside and waited for my mother to finish breakfast, I walked outside and my father was talking to some man, a short chubby man. He had a shaved head and was wearing a veteran cap. He looked really nervous too for some reason. He was sweating a lot as well, even though it was freezing outside. I walked over to him and my father. My father looked at me and said, Oh, this is my son, and told him my name. The man looked at me and said, Nice to meet you, kid. My name's Patrick. He smiled and looked at me, and I smiled and greeted him back. And it may have been rude at the time, but I was just a kid, 
and I asked him, You look kind of scared. Are you alright? He kind of coughed and replied with a, Yeah, I'm fine. Just went through shell shock. I'm a veteran, he said, as I couldn't tell already with the cap he was wearing. He seemed normal then. My father seemed to really like this guy, and I liked him too at first. He told my father he had also rented a cabin with his family, and that they were really close to us, so he decided to introduce himself. My father invited him inside for breakfast, and he stayed, and it was normal. I went outside to play after that with my father and Patrick. While outside, I scraped my knee, and I started crying. My father was inside at the time, a bad time for him to be inside. My mother was calling for him. He ran inside while I was out there with Patrick. Patrick ran over to me and told me to come with him to his cabin because he had band-aids. I agreed, and I went with him. I wasn't a very smart kid. I went with Patrick. We talked about what I liked doing. I told him about some video games that I played and stuff like that. Then, things got weird. He asked me what shoe size I was and how old I am. I didn't know what my shoe size is, I told him, but I told him my age. He just kind of chuckled and said something along the lines of, good to know. Also, his cabin was nowhere near ours. It was way, way back. It took about 20-25 minutes to walk there. I was tired and there was no point in getting the band-aid anymore. But I still decided to keep going since I had walked so long. We entered the cabin. He told me to go in first, so I did. As soon as I walked in, I realized something. There was nobody in there. No family. I asked him where his family was, and he didn't answer, pretending like he didn't hear. He locked the door. I, I then got kind of frightened. He told me, I'll be right back with the band-aid, kiddo. He walked into the kitchen and pulled one out of somewhere, and then he walked back and told me to have a seat, and he'd put it on. I sat down, and he put it on me. He also held my leg with his other hand and rubbed it up and down and told me, You're rather muscular, kid. I like that. I got kind of scared and immediately stood up. He asked me what was wrong and I told him nothing and that my leg was feeling much better. I then thought my parents must be worried sick about me and that I should hurry back. He insisted that I stayed a little longer and ate there. I didn't want to, but I was alone. And if I ran, I don't think I could find my way back to my cabin. The door was locked too, so I just agreed and decided to eat with him and get it over with fast. He asked me how much I weighed, and I guessed around 73 pounds. He then had a smile to go across his face. He nodded and said, perfect weight. I asked him, perfect weight for what? And he just kept smiling. I was really weirded out and asked him if I could go. He told me no, and that things were just getting started, and I shouldn't miss out on the fun. He had such a weird tone when he said that. I then heard a big bang come from the bedroom. It was a closed door. Patrick stood up and looked kind of angry. He walked into the room and shut the door behind him. I then heard him yelling, Did I fucking tell you that you could move? No, stay the fuck where you are. I have fucking company, or something like that. He then walked out with a smile on his face and shut the door slowly. Sorry about that. It was just my wife. She's really sick and not allowed to be near visitors today. He was smiling while saying that. I wanted to go. I then looked around the room and noticed there was clothes everywhere and it was really messy. He must have been living out of here. At that moment, his wife walked out of the room. I'm hungry, she said. He looked pissed. Get back in there, he said. 
His wife was extremely pale and looked like she had been crying a lot. She was sniffing and had red circles around her eyes. She looked at me and then walked back into the room. I asked him where his kids were. He didn't answer. He told me that he had kids clothes that he wanted me to try on. That was the last straw. I had to get out of that situation and I didn't know how. I just started crying and then he hugged me. He told me, it'll be okay little one. Nothing is going to happen. Just try on these clothes. He walked back in the room. I thought this was the perfect time for me to leave. I unlocked his door and I tried to leave as quietly as I could. I didn't care if I got lost anymore. I didn't want to take any more chances with Patrick. If that even was his name. I had a feeling he had been lying. He lied about having kids. So who knows what else he lied about. I was in the woods trying to find my way back. I was still close to his house. Close enough to hear shouting. I heard him yelling stuff to his wife. Things along the lines of, Where the fuck did he go? And, I knew I shouldn't have left him alone. You probably let him leave. I could have sworn I heard him call her a whore and bitch a couple times. And then it happened. I stopped in my tracks. I heard footsteps. I went and hid behind a tree and looked in his direction. He was outside and seemed to be looking for me. I was far enough away to where I could barely see him, but I could tell he was looking for something. He then stepped out into the forest and heard him shouting, Hey kid, it's okay. You can come back now. You don't have to try on the clothes. And I have toys back in my cabin. All you have to do is come back. I ran. I ran as fast as I could in a straight line in hopes of finding somebody in my family. I was running away and I thought I heard shouting, but I didn't stop to hear it. Then after about an hour of running, I saw a cabin. My cabin. I ran to it. My father was outside looking around, looking for me. I ran up to him crying and told him Patrick wasn't a good guy and that he was really weird and was touching my legs and stuff. My father immediately called the person he rented the cabin from and he had said that nobody had rented that cabin. My father looked at me and told me to never follow any stranger ever again. We immediately left that day and asked for a refund for the next day. The guy renting them out apologized. The man having the cabin rentals called the police and the police went back there and checked the cabin and there was nobody there. Not even his wife. His clothes and belongings were still there is what they told us. Nothing really happened after that. They asked questions and left. They never called us or told us anything about him ever again. Patrick most likely wasn't his real name and he probably wasn't a veteran. I just want to know what happened to him and his wife and how he even got a wife in the first place and how and why he lived in that cabin. He seemed to have lived there for a while. I guess he left because he figured the police would be coming after him because he didn't rent the cabin. So many questions that never got answered. Living in a Cabin in the Woods by Elsa 08 This happened about two years ago. I had just moved about an hour and a half away from home. The first time I had lived away from home, I was working on a kids activity camp. All of the staff lived in two massive cabins in the woods. There were about 40 people in each, two or three to a room, so you can imagine how big this cabin was. Anyway, everybody became really close. Some people knew each other from previous years working at this particular camp. 
None of us really locked our doors because we all knew each other and everybody hung out in different friends' rooms all the time. On this camp, my job was working with the kids during the day and doing evening shifts on the bar, which was there for the staff and teachers and parents that had come with the children. One night, my roommate and I were both working an evening shift on the bar. She was finishing a couple hours earlier as she was on a different shift. My roommate, Debs, decided that she was just going to go back to the room and read and wait for me to finish so we could watch a movie. She had been gone about five minutes. That's how long it takes to get from the bar to the cabin when my phone started ringing with her caller ID. I picked up the call and as the bar was pretty dead that night and the only people in there were staff, when I picked up the phone call, nobody was saying anything on the other end. I chalked this up to her just butt dialing me by accident and hung up. About a minute later, I get another phone call from a friend that lived across the hallway from us. She told me that I needed to come to the room right now, so I asked the guy I was working with to cover while I popped back to the room quickly. I walked down the hallway, and there were about five people just standing outside of my room. I walk inside, and Debs is just standing there, crying, which isn't like her at all. Our stuff was all over our room. Please note that this is very weird because I'm sure I have OCD and often tidied my side and her side of the room, even if she didn't want me to. She went on to tell me that her phone had gone missing. I then asked her about phoning me before I came back to the room, and she had no idea what I was talking about. This means someone had taken her phone and knew who to call straight away. Also, also when she left work, there would be no point in stealing her phone as it was literally worthless, a $10 mobile at the most. A few days later, we start noticing that things had gone missing, but not normal things people would steal, they could have taken laptops and Kindles and Playstations and games. Instead, all they took were my bra and panties. Some clean and some from the dirty washing. This made me feel sick, especially because we knew everyone that we lived slash worked with. For a few days, I kept getting these phone calls from Deb's phone with just silence on the other end. We obviously went and reported it to our bosses, and they said they would look into it. We kind of got blamed for leaving our door unlocked, which I understand as being really stupid now. The creepy thing was, a few days later, I walked into the staff lounge and Deb's phone was just placed on the windowsill. Nobody was in there and nobody seemed to be around. Well, at that point, I noped out of there as fast as I could and locked myself in my room until Deb's came back. Nothing ever came of it and we never found out who it was, but I definitely have a feeling it was someone that knew us quite well and who knew when we would both be out of our room. For the life of me, I still don't know who stole my underwear, my roommate's phone, and who trashed our room. But I have definitely learned a lesson, and that's not to leave my door unlocked, because there are gross creepers out there. I was hoping to make this episode just a bit longer, but sadly I ran out of cabin stories. Well, at least ones that were interesting enough to be featured. If you are listening to this on the day of the release, the episode next week will be focusing on stalker stories. So if you have any stories, please share them with me at unwelcomeshadows at gmail.com for a chance to be featured. I've also decided that there will be a mini upload on Thursdays just to help get you through your week. If you like this episode, then please consider sharing with someone who will also enjoy it.